Cigars uh, for time, and before uh, he was a vicar, he was an army chaplain. And I remember him telling a story once of a thing that happened uh, during the First World War. A British soldier was found in no man's land. Uh, he was uh, severely shell shocked, uh, he was suffering from amnesia, uh, his uniform was shredded, so they couldn't tell which regiment or unit uh, he was a part of, and uh, he'd completely forgotten. Uh, who he was. He was in such uh, a state of distress. So he was brought back behind uh, the British lines and in inquiries were made as to who this soldier was and where he had come from. They, they, couldn't, they couldn't find anybody who recognised him, who knew him. Uh, later in the day, there was to be uh, a big uh, regimental boxing match uh, back uh, behind the lines where the soldiers would go uh, for their recreation. And so um, what happened was that this uh, boxing match, before the, the first bout started, um, the soldier was brought into the ring and, and stood in the middle of the ring with all the other soldiers from the different regiments and units uh, surrounding, uh, looking in. And uh, the sergeant major addressed the crowd and said, can anybody tell us who this man is? soldier himself uh, screamed at the crowd, for God's sake, will somebody tell me who I am? Jesus asked uh, him the question. To his disciples, uh, he asked the question, who do you say that I am? It's the most important question that can be asked of any of us. Peter answered the question, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, the son of the living God, sorry. And uh, Jesus replied to Peter, you are the rock. And on this uh, confession that I'm the Christ, on this I will build my church. Who is Jesus? The son of the living God, he is the Christ. of a series at the moment where we're uh, considering what it means to live as a disciple of Jesus, a, a missional disciple, a disciple who wants to uh, share what we found in Christ with other people, what it means to be a witness or a follower of Jesus. Over the last few weeks, we've looked at some of the practices that, that we can uh, adopt to help us in this discipleship. We talked about being generous. We talked about receiving God's spirit and praying for others to receive God's spirit. We talked about asking questions. We talked about finding your calling, your unique place in God's plan. Last week, we talked about uh, working together, a simple act of participating. And these are all good things to do, and these are all good things that we should be uh, kind of adopting and practices we should be inhabiting as a church. But these are not just things that we do. They need to be things that flow out of who we are. 
of being a mission-minded disciple, being somebody who is uh, keen for others to discover the life that is in Christ, that keen desire of who we are. So who are you? Who are we as Christians? I want to just briefly share three images or three pictures that the New Testament has of uh, the church. There are one uh, of the early church's uh, descriptions of ways of identifying those who follow Jesus. Three pictures that I think have a particular relevance for us as we seek to share our faith with others. First is this. We are ambassadors. Peter reads from uh, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 5 verse um, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are people through whom God is making his appeal. An ambassador is a diplomat of the highest rank. It's the highest level you can get to in the, in the kind of diplomatic sphere to be an ambassador. An ambassador is not just somebody who works in the, uh, the British office or works, um, works in the country of residence. They're not just somebody who kind of has a role to play. The ambassador is the official representative of Her Majesty's government. They are authorized to represent the crown. They can negotiate treaties. They speak for another country. They're sent by one sovereign to another to represent them. What does it mean for you to be an ambassador of Christ? It means this. You are a high-ranking official. You have the highest rank in the kingdom of God. And you have been authorized and empowered and commissioned to represent the king of kings in his mission of reconciling the world to himself. This is a task. This is an assignment. This is a valued and important task. Two things that flow from being an ambassador of Christ. First is this. You are his representative. You are to tell his story. You are to share his message. You are to proclaim the good news that he has given to us. We don't make up our own message. We don't concoct our own message. It's not for us to to kind of finesse or tweak or challenge the, the message that has been given to us. 
what's a son and daughter because I needed to clear I was somehow to explain this. An adopted son was somebody who was uh, deliberately chosen uh, by wealthy parents to inherit their estate. Might be uh, a childless couple, no children of their own, nobody to whom they could pass on their wealth, their land, their houses, nobody to whom they could pass on their name, uh, their heritage. And so they would adopt a son, often uh, the son of a, a faithful servant of the household. And that son, first of all, would have all of his debts uh, forgiven, all of the debts of his family uh, forgiven. They would be, they would be written off. He'd no longer be impoverished, but he'd be in the, the family of a rich man now. He'd have all the rights of the eldest son of a family. He would inherit the land. He would in- inherit the title. He would inherit the name. He would inherit the land. He would inherit uh, the wealth. When you were adopted, it was a process that could not be reversed. The father could not change his mind. He could not disinherit his son. Once you were adopted, that was it. You were in, and you had the name for good or ill. You would take on the family business. You would learn the family trade. You would carry on in the the place of your father when the father passed away. There's a strong sense of uh, sons growing up to take the place of their father. Why was Jesus an earthly father? Because Jesus, his earthly father, was a heavenly father. You are children of God. You share the same heavenly father. And as adopted children of God, as sons and daughters, we've been enrolled in the family business. We share the family name. There is a family likeness on us as well. Sons look like their fathers. In the ancient world, sons took the place of their fathers. That's what's behind uh, that verse in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Why? Because people are making peace. People who are peacemakers are carrying on the heavenly peacemaker's business. There's something about them that has the likeness of God in heaven. And so people say, well, look, he's he's a son of the heavenly father. He's a peacemaker as the father in heaven is a peacemaker. That means we need to be about the father's business, about the work that Jesus has done. We need to be generous as Jesus was generous. We need to be filled with God's spirit as Jesus was filled with God's spirit. We need to pray for others as Jesus prayed for others. Our hearts need to break as the lost, as Jesus' heart broke over the lost. Death brings the living God. Finally, the third one. chosen people, a 
royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Church, the Orthodox Church, the Anglican Church, of which uh, we're a part, we've all uh, co-opted the word priest, meaning ordained minister, the person at the front, uh, the person leading uh, the congregation. So it's clear from the New Testament that the, the people of God, the whole church, the whole uh, family of the church, is kept together a nation of priests, a kingdom of priests. What does a priest do? What is it that makes a person a priest? Well, a priest is a mediator. They're a a go-between. The priest would pray for the people to God and pronounce God's blessings on the people. Jesus, the priest, is uniquely the great priest. Jesus, of course, is uniquely the one and only mediator. Jesus is the one who is both God and man, the one who goes between. Jesus is the one, as we heard in our reading, who is reconciling the world to himself. He's bringing God and the world who are apart back together. Jesus has a unique ministry. He formed a people for himself. And he planted them as a kingdom of priests, a nation of gather here this morning as a community of priests. And we're called to that that ministry, that ministry of mediation, that ministry of standing in the gap, that ministry of being in the middle, that ministry of praying to God for others because Jesus intercedes for us, and that ministry of pronouncing the blessing of God on others. Jesus pronounces his blessing on those who do good. It's because we're a kingdom of priests that we pray for those who don't make it to heaven. It's because we're a kingdom of priests that we share the love of God with those who don't know him. It's because we are a kingdom of priests that we, uh, we talk of the light that shines in the darkness. As a priest, we can pray for others pray that their eyes would be opened and their hearts would be won to you, O Jesus. As a priest, we can ask the blessings that he has for the other priests. And that's us. We can point Jesus to others. As a priest, we can pray for ourselves. On those who we know who are struggling to find the Lord Jesus Christ. wisdom and just practice ways that we can help others and then also an energy to give to others. Ambassadors of Christ. Some of 
between those who should submit in God and the children of disobedience. So we finish where we began at the last chapter. Who do you think you are? I've told you who I think you are. I've told you who God thinks you are. I've told you what the Bible says you are. familiar with it, celebrities go on a a journey uh, into their ancestry. They discover uh, where they come from. They're always deeply moved by the stories they hear of previous generations. It always impacts them as they hear of who their grandfather was, their great-great-grandmother, their their kind of long-lost Because as they see who their ancestors are, they're a little bit more of an insight into who they are. Who they are is determined by whose they are. Who we are is determined by whose we are. We're all in the midst of a spiritual battle over this. The Bible speaks of an enemy that we have. He's called uh, the father of lies. He's called the accuser of the church. He's called a thief. We have an enemy who wants to rob us of our sense of identity in Christ. We have an enemy who wants to question who we are in Christ. Have you battled them yet? Have you answered that question in your heart and in your mind? Do you really see yourself Effectiveness in sharing the faith that we have will largely be impacted by how you see yourself, by the authority that you think you have, the message that you feel you have to share. So who do you think you are? And how are these truths going to be reinforced in your mind? How is this going to go from being something in your head or something that I say to my friends, something that you have within your heart, but an identity that you live out of? shape how you live your life. God has given us uh, what the uh, uh, church fathers used to call means of grace, ways for us to get these truths into our hearts that they they might shape us. One of those is fellowship, what we're doing this morning, gathering together, reminding ourselves who Jesus is and because of who Jesus is, who we are in him. A, a regular uh, meeting together with Christians is something that will reinforce that sense of who we are in him. Sitting with other scriptures that speak of who we are. Read the scriptures not just to learn more stuff, but to be strengthened and affirmed and encouraged in who we are in Jesus. didn't write a book, he encouraged his disciples as they would meet together in all places and throughout the church. 
to share his news with us. Is this mirror seen by anyone else? Because there were people who needed his brother's life. It says that there were people for whom their body was broken and wine was bad. It says that there were people for whom a sacrifice had been made. It says that there were people who simply received that warm turn might share. It says that there were families gathered together without wanting a boundary on that. Families were gathered together to feed the body and draw the blood and then pray that we might be strengthened in the power of his spirit to share his love. As for our heads in prayer and then Jason's going to lead us in worship at the end. Father, I pray for us that you would heal sense of who we are in you, that you would seal in our hearts that knowledge that we're ambassadors, that we're sons and daughters, uh, that we're kids. Lord, I pray that through the communion that we share today, through our preaching and our teaching, through our home groups and our meetings together, that we would increasingly live out the sense of who we are in you, and that we would inhabit the authority that we have in you, and that we would minister with the power that you give us. Jesus' name we pray.